0: Hey, what's up everyone, Tanvi here. Today's guest is Philip Ellis, co-founder and CEO of Beryl. Beryl is a shared mobility service that combines bikes, electric bikes, and electric scooters all in one app. They are located over several locations in the United Kingdom. You can check them out at beryl.cc. Philip started at Beryl as a chief operating officer together with uh, Emily Brooke. They didn't start with the shared mobility, but with innovating the bike lighting technology, which saved thousands of lives. For the viewers from UK, next time you're riding the boys' bikes, there is a piece of Beryl somewhere there. But let's hear the field's journey.
1: Beryl is a, a UK-based uh, micro-mobility company. So we operate uh, bike share and electric share schemes all over all over England, really. Um, and yeah, we've been around for a few years. We started life as a cycling company, and we um, developed. Products that help people cycle, really. You know, we always had a hypothesis that cycling was going to be a more important part of how people got around cities. Mm. And we started out by, yeah, making products that uh, broke down the barriers to cycling, focused on safety. And then we started implementing those products into some of the big complex bike share systems that were in the world at the time. So, London, New York, uh, Mm. Montreal, places like that. And that, I guess, is where we sort of did our apprenticeship in, in shared. Shared micro mobility, although not that micro mobility was a word back then, um, and then yeah, we launched our own bike share services in 2019, and launched our own uh, you know e-bikes and electric shared scooter services earlier in
0: 2020. How did it start for you before all the barrel stuff? Uh, you went studying in the Birmingham, yeah, for the yeah, law that's degree. right.
1: Yeah, I, I studied in Birmingham, which was a lot of fun. I had mm-hmm. a great time. Yeah, I didn't really have any specific plans for my. Uh, my career I just you know I I did a law degree and then I worked in management consulting for a few years although I knew that that was not an environment that I was going to um, you know it wasn't an environment for me in the long term although it was an interesting place to gather some skills undoubtedly Um, and then yeah I met uh, Emily who had this uh, company was called Blaze at the time and that was the bike light company so that was back in 2013 Uh, I started working with her uh, and that company has evolved
0: into into what we're doing now. Because how did the whole meeting with uh, Emily happen? Yeah, she so just...
1: she had uh, done a Kickstarter for her bike like product, which is called the Laser Light. And mm-hmm. then she so she she'd done that and she was starting to build out a team around that. So I basically applied to work uh, in that organisation. So I didn't know Emily before mm-hmm. before starting to work in cycling. But yeah, so she had studied. She'd studied at university in, in, in Brighton and um,
0: and had this invention for this laser light. And that's what sort of kicked off for her. And you joined because of your passion for cycling then?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'd always been a cyclist. Uh, and as I know, I always thought that I um, uh, wanted to get out of the sort of corporate, very, very corporate world that I was in. And so, yeah, it seemed like a, a really interesting opportunity.
0: And you were joining as a COO it's because of your operational right. background in Deloitte, I guess, yeah?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we were doing lots of normal, normal sort of stuff, uh, manufacturing in China, and Chinese supply chains, dealing with uh, retailers in Europe, direct consumer, um, and, and just setting up general processes around around the business. At the time, was was sort of the the, the focus and the priority. Uh,
0: before then, we started
1: working with with yeah in a sort of slightly different way with some of the big sort of,
0: yeah, enterprise customers that we ha- have now. You were even like supplying even lights to the Boris bikes back in the day as well, yeah?
1: Yeah, that's right. I think that was in about 2014, 2015, we started supplying a device. That was just the laser light, um, which we rolled out in, I think it was 2014, um, which, as I say, is designed for safety. And we still have that product on all of our bikes. Indeed, it's on all every single London bike, every single London TFL Santander bike has a laser light. And nowadays, it was also equipped with our own technology system, which does all the GPS tracking and sensor data and a full smart bike system supporting software.
0: With the success of such product, why anyone else would be like, okay, we're getting money from this one, let's just stop. But what led to actually making the whole bike sharing company?
1: Well I think, you know, so this is around like two thousand seventeen, let's say, when Mobike and Offo were sweeping through Europe and America. Like it was really mm-hmm. clear to us having operate having worked very closely with operators and transport authorities on bike share systems for a number of years, and having, you know, been a consumer cycling company, understanding what cyclists expect from cycling in a city, like it was it was clear, abundantly clear there was nothing that was going to work about the mobile Offo model of doing things back then. Like the quality of the bike was not good enough for people to want to cycle twice a day, every day. And like, that's what your target needs to be. It wasn't even good enough for people to want to cycle on it at all. Yeah, you know, their deployment method was just not acceptable for, uh, you know, transport authorities and local authorities in Europe and North America. Uh, and uh, there was, there was and, and crucially, right, there was just not any like effective use of emerging technologies to to control and deliver the service so it was just quite clear to us that that wasn't quite the right thing um but they did a fantastic job in many ways of going around all these local authorities and transport authorities like selling the concept of bike share selling the concept of micro mobility and so yeah that's why we were like okay well we ought to do this you know we, we know enough we thought we know enough about cities we know enough about operating these systems we'd certainly had the products already from delivering services to local authorities and operators so like yeah we can we can totally do this ourselves and this was at the time when the e-scooters were really booming across uh across the world as well so like the the mobikes and the oppos have gone and the e-scooters have come which was great because it just like demonstrated that you know this industry and, and like you know it's still a thing, right? Even if the previous lot had, had not quite made it work, it's still definitely a thing. But obviously in the UK context, scooters have only been allowed very recently and even then in quite a controlled way. And, and so that's why we've, um, yeah, we, and, and we, you know, we're, we're from a cycling background. And so we, we're now in a position where we think it's really important to be able to offer the full suite of micro mobility vehicles to a city, to be, to be an integrated partner. So, you know, bikes have a fantastic, like long-term efficiency um, if you you know how to do it. But more importantly, they meet all of the policy goals that a city has around sustainability and active travel. And like e-bikes are important because they create new journeys, right? They open up a new journey that otherwise people might not have thought would be possible to make by bike. And e-scooters are an essential part of that mix as well because they create new users, right? Like the adoption curve is absolutely mind-blowing with how people get on these scooters um, and and for me, e-cargo bikes were a really valuable, uh, a really valuable tool to meeting like big, ambitious, carbon-saving goals in a city. And so we offer all of those because they sit together. You know, you need the users, but you need to meet the policy goals of a city um, as well. So that's why we, we that's why we do that whole mix of micro-mobility vehicles in our schemes.
0: You were the CEO for seven years and introducing all these different modes. How did it go?
1: Yeah, cool. Like, you know, we've built everything ourselves. So, you know, it's been very easy for us to uh, apply our technology to new vehicles as we want. Um, Like we make the bike and we make the e-bike. That's our bike and our manufacturer. But we buy the cargo bike and we buy the scooter like everybody buys the scooter. Um, And so like, yeah, we've been able to get into scooters and not have to deal with, you know, some of the really challenging operational issues, but there's still like a lot of challenges to scooter operation, but at least like the vehicles, by the time we started rolling them out, you know, this year have like massively improved, right? Like they don't disintegrate on street and like the methods for charging them, whether it's on street or battery swapping, are like available and understood. Um, so certainly like, operationally we're not having to take like ludicrous risk on when when introducing these scooters like those sort of pioneers of it did two or three years ago um, and like yeah like operationally we have long-term contracts with the cities in which we operate like long-term exclusive contracts in the cities that we operate so it gives us confidence to set up a decent operation.
0: The app as well itself the software side of things is also uh, developed by you?
1: That's right yeah everything uh-huh. we've we've built everything from from the ground up so the iot unit that we have on our bikes and our e-bikes is yeah is is built by us uh, and we sell that as a product as well um and yeah the app is ours back end, everything about it
0: since you've been like a, a coo for up to seven years then did you already know that you're gonna get the ceo position everything
1: in the business sort of happened relatively organically in terms of our Transition to being a full-service micro mobility company. Or transition amongst myself and Emily. And, you know, all happened sort of organically and naturally, and, and, and things like that. So, yeah, no, no necessarily sort of grand plans. You know, it's not like sit, sitting down. You know, on a coffee in 2012 20, 20, or 2013, making these sorts of predictions. Um, all sort of relatively uh, fluid evolution you know also we were we were growing uh, quite a lot at the time so there was lots of you know nobody's role was staying the same uh, i don't think you know we were we were doing a lot of things differently uh, a lot more you know you could say complexity in the business as we were growing and so everybody was sort of just
0: adapting to their different skill sets and how did the whole covid period uh, affect you from the start
1: yeah well i mean uh, so we launched two new schemes actually in March of 2020, and they were like mm. really hairy, just like literally just getting them on the street, as 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 you could feel this this like impending doom. And so we were really pleased that we did manage to get those on the street, uh, along with the bike services that we already had out, because obviously then you know it's great to see people using bikes more over the over the summer in particular, and even now continued into the winter. Um, I think it's really interesting like it just shows if you create a safe environment for people they will cycle and like that's all that happened like people weren't driving around and people's you know making people feel unwelcome on the street and so everyone started cycling it was fantastic and hopefully that's a policy lesson that we'll, we'll keep and we'll learn uh, and apply it to you know all forms of micro mobility which I'm sure we will um hopefully over the long term. Uh, So yeah, it's it's been a wild ride as it has been for everybody. But obviously for us, yeah, launching scooters as well, launching e-bikes and and things like that has been, um, yeah, it's been an interesting year.
0: And I see you are really busy. Do do you have time to do things outside of work by any chance? No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no,
1: that's a bit unfair. No, that is a bit unfair. Yeah, of course, like I did bits and bobs. I got into kite surfing this year. I tried to. Like, I've been doing it a little bit uh, for a few years. But then, like, this year, I actually, like, invested in all the kit. Um, So, that's cool. We have a bike share system, like, on the South Coast too now, actually, on the South Coast. So, they're good spots for kite surfing. Um, So, that's really cool. Um, And, obviously, I just go, go, go cycling a fair bit. Um, A friend of mine texted me this morning saying he's got Fridays off between now and Christmas and I want to go for a bike ride. And it's like three degrees outside and sleeting. And I'm like, hmm, not really, Um, but you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe
0: like if there's a nice cool crisp sunny morning or something. Is there an
1: inspiring person
0: of yours by any chance? you know
1: is, is it i think everybody like i think a lot of people if you're lucky enough to have the opportunity and it's very like circumstantial to to really be able to focus on something and and for that thing to be something that you really and en- you know really enjoy or really passionate about like i think everybody would amaze themselves at, 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 at a like what they can do but also like who is you know yeah, I, I'm sure I'm inspired sometimes by people who would have absolutely no idea that I've been inspired by them because you know they're just doing something that I think is cool even if it's just for a moment
0: books to read that you would recommend
1: the books I read are like I, I'm not a big one of for these um, you know entrepreneurship books and things like that I read a lot of boring books like I read a lot of, a lot of classics I read uh, a lot of, well uh, yeah um, my missus always winds me up for reading like boring books like you know, I'm re- so at the minute I'm reading um, *Far from the Madding Crowd*, which is like the book I read to sort of help me we go to sleep, which is a Thomas Hardy novel. Um, or I'll read like yeah, uh, some classics for a bit more fun, like Dickens and and things like that. Or I'll read like Umberto Eco and and, and uh, or like Hilary Mantel, like history based novels and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, my book's choice is not particularly uh, like, uh, I wouldn't recommend it to you actually. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody because it's like pretty boring. <laughs> I think it's cool. I, I listen to like podcasts like Azimazar and just different Harvard Business Review
0: ones and things like that on my way into work. But, I mean, I guess last but not least, what, what, what would you, I guess, recommend to all the youngsters today? You know, you can make your own path very much. And I think that is, I think that's always been true. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to like, comment, follow and share. More content coming. Stay safe, Tenry out.